You are listening to the Rooted Ministry Podcast, a conversation advancing gospel-centered ministry to youth. For more information about Rooted, visit our website at www.rootedministry.com. This particular episode of the Rooted Podcast is from our new ongoing series called Ask Alice. Good morning, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of Ask Alice. I'm Alice Chernock, a licensed professional counselor who specializes in children and adolescents. And I'm so happy to be with you. And we at the Rooted Ministry want to provide some some resources for parents and for youth ministers. So we have created Ask Alice, where we can take some questions that you, our listeners, have emailed to us. And we want to try to provide some insight, but mostly some gospel-centered answers for you. So today, I, I'm, I got to be honest, I'm, my heart is just heavy. Um, we as a community have experienced a whole lot of really sad losses lately, and I just am burdened by them all. And I know that there are, I've had conversations with some good friends in my own Bible study group that we are all just kind of feeling the effects of sin and the darkness in this world. Um, in the last couple months here where we are, we've had the the kidnapping and the murder of a innocent three-year-old girl who was just playing in the front yard at a birthday party, um, and someone kidnapped her. And uh, my at my own college where I went to school, we had another college student who was who was kidnapped and murdered, and just heavy stuff and things that you know you feel like you're in a really safe community. My college was a very safe place, but when things like this start happening, it really rattles every sense of who we are and what we have known to be safe. I know that our kids are feeling this too. I can pretty much guarantee that at least two or three kids in in my office every single week are going to be talking about how worried they are about something else that they have heard on the news or how they are not able to sleep very well at night, um, how they don't want to stay home alone anymore. They're afraid that somebody is going to come to the door. And um, I know kids who are struggling to even get out of the car in the carpool line at school. It's really heavy stuff that's going on. And, And I feel like as parents, we can try to help our kids understand things a lot better. Uh, it makes sense that a child would feel these uh, these tragedies even more strongly than we as adults do, because kids are naturally very egocentric. And so we have to realize that when a child hears something like this happening, they are automatically going to apply this to themselves. And so they are going to very quickly insert their own life into whatever tragedy may have happened. And so it makes sense that naturally our kids are going to feel even more of a heightened sense of fear than we as adults would, because as adults, we can kind of sift through that, you know, the likelihood of these things happening is so, so rare, Um But as a child, they are naturally going to hear what happens and immediately put themselves into, and then this is going to become my reality, all right? So I think that, I think it's really good as parents that we can reassure our kids 
that the likelihood of these things happening, it is very, very unusual. Um, People, we have wonderful law enforcement agencies and groups that are going to investigate things to make sure that these don't happen again. But even with all of those safety measures that we can take, there's still that sense of this world is not right. We are, we're living in a very fallen place. And, and as believers, we know that this is not our home. We are aliens in this land and praise God that he is coming to make all things new again, but we are still in that process and, and the world is still groaning. Um, and I think it's so important as believers that we're able to point our children back to the hope and the comfort that we do worship an all-powerful, almighty God who, as, as the old hymn, I remember as a child hearing, the old hymn says, his eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. Now, I realize that that brings up a whole nother host of questions like, if that's true, why does God allow bad things to happen in the first place? And, you know, if he's really in control, then he wouldn't have let this happen. And, you know, a whole lot of other questions that I would love for us to tackle. And I I really hope that we can go into that in a different podcast. But for today, I want us to stay focused on helping our kids deal with the fears that we experience in the world today. Now, in in one of the talks that I give at schools and at churches on anxiety, I differentiate between concern and anxiety. You see, concern is acting out of wisdom, but anxiety is acting out of fear, all right? So, for instance, it's wise for me to be concerned about my child's safety. And therefore, when we get in the car, I'm going to make them wear a seatbelt, all right? That's acting out of wisdom, all right? Because that's being concerned. Now, anxiety, though, has its root in fear, all right? So in the exact same example, it would be like, I'm so scared that we're going to have a car accident and something will happen to my child that we're just not going to drive anywhere. Do you see the difference where concern is acting out of wisdom, anxiety is acting out of fear? And that notion of avoidance is what brings us to our first question for today. So our first email is from Trish, who is in Kansas. And Trish says, hey, Alice, I am writing to you because my kids are still struggling after Kobe Bryant's death. No, we don't know the family, but my husband is a helicopter pilot. My six-year-old son has become really fearful when he knows my husband is going to work, which is, of course, most days of the week. He clings to his daddy and cries and doesn't want to go to school. I don't know how to help him calm down, especially since, honestly, it has me a little rattled, too. Trish, thank you so much for this letter. It is um, obviously something that the the world has been dealing with, with Kobe's death, but I can only imagine how much even more heightened it would be for someone who whose husband is in this industry to begin with, that you definitely deal with a, a different level of grief and fear that the rest of us would deal with. 
Um, I can honestly say I don't think I've ever been inside of a helicopter, much less be a helicopter pilot. So I can imagine that for you, this would be a really big deal. And of course, for your six-year-old son, it's going to be even bigger of a deal. As we've already talked about, children automatically insert other people's tragedies into their realities. And so in your son's mind, this happened to Kobe, and therefore this is going to happen to daddy. And so I think you're absolutely right that we have to address this. You see, we know that fearful kids have a false perception of safety, all right? So the root mindset of a fearful child is that if I just don't do X, Y, or Z, then nothing bad can happen to me, all right? So, of course, that mindset isn't going to help them later on in life, all right? It's justifying the logic that they have, you know, that, that they need to just avoid certain experiences and then they'll be okay. Or daddy just doesn't need to go to work and then my life is perfect again, okay? The problem with that is that the, the fears that they start having, if they start acting on those, then what happens is it becomes not enough for daddy to just not go to work, then it becomes, now daddy can't go to the grocery store. And then it becomes, and now daddy can't um, go to another room. And then it becomes, and now daddy can't sleep in his own bed. He's got to stay with me. All right. So that false, false perception of safety starts to enhance our anxiety moments so that they become bigger and bigger. And those fears, they begin to snowball. By letting our children settle in to that, that fear and that, that concern that something bigger is going to happen, what happens is that they're not able to safely continue growing as a human being. Because as a human being, we know that we have to experience scary new circumstances, all right? So just in the same way that as parents, we encourage progress over perfection with our kids, we also have to our, encourage our kids to have faith over fear. Faith over fear. So if something bad happens, the first thing we're going to try to do is to let the child hear it from us first, all right? Don't let them hear it from another random kid at the lunch table or on TV. Now, I will say I did a very rotten job of this, all right? When that three-year-old in our community had been kidnapped, before we had known that she had passed away, she had just been kidnapped, I didn't know anything about this. I am not the best one to listen to the news. In fact, I try to stay away from it. So my kids came home talking about this thing, and I had no idea what they were talking about. So I ended up asking them, what? What is going on? I've never heard of this. I think that some kid at your lunch table is just making this up. Don't believe what you hear. So I kind of go off on this tangent. Well, it turns out it was reality. Like, this was really happening, all right? And so, unfortunately, I did not handle that a great way. Our goal is to let the child hear the, the tragedy from us first, and that way we can provide very age-appropriate ways in order to approach this, that we can tell them what the facts are. So, for instance, you know, if we have a grandparent that's sick, we can let them know, hey, I just need you to know that, that grandpa is really, really sick right now. 
we don't have to go into all of the nitty gritty details, you know, that grandpa has stage four pancreatic cancer and he has two weeks to live. We don't have to go into all of those details, but still, I think it's important that we are the ones who are able to convey the facts of the situation at hand. It's also important how we approach this, that we are setting what's called the emotional tone for the topic of conversation. So when we talk about the event that's happened, it is important that we lower our voice, we talk in a very calm and serious way so that we can convey, hey, this is a big deal. We're not going to make light of it. We're not going to make a joke out of it. This is serious. But we then can follow it up with the truth of the gospel. And that's the beauty of having the, the truth to follow this out, all right? So we are, we're talking about the facts of the situation. We're setting the emotional tone of it. And then after we have been able to communicate what's going on, it's really important that we engage in this conversation. So I encourage parents to ask, 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 ask. Ask them a million questions, all right? Ask, what have you heard about this? You know, if I could rewind what happened with a child who was kidnapped, I wish that I could go back and be the one to say, hey, guys, I want you to know this is what's happening. People are going to be talking about it. If you have any questions, you can always come and talk to me about it, all right? So it's really good for us to set ourselves up as somebody that our kids feel like they can ask those questions. And we as parents have to be prepared to give them the facts, but also not to sugarcoat things. Um, I think it's our natural tendency as parents that we want to protect our kids from any harm or seriousness. But when we start trying to sugarcoat it, our kids are on to us. And they are going to get the sense that mom and dad are really not going to tell me what's actually going on. And so I'm just going to have to go talk to my friends at lunch and find out the real story from them. All right. So it's really important that we let them know, hey, we can talk about anything. I'm going to answer your questions. You can trust me on that. All right. But let them know, listen, is there anything that you're confused about? Or I don't know, what, what have you heard about this? How did you hear about it? How are you feeling about it? What does it make you think about? You know, all of those kind of questions that are really open-ended that help our kids say, hey, I can talk about this. I don't have to have all the answers, but I know that mom and dad are going to be there for when I have these questions. All right. Now, listen, I also think it's really important that we know this has to be chapter one of the 20 chapters in this conversation. All right. So this can't be, I think about it like the sex talk. All right. Again, a whole nother day, but this is just like that. This can't be just a one and done kind of conversation. All right. So it's really good for us to know we're going to lay the foundation, but as parents, we've got to come back to them and say, Hey, how are you doing with that? We haven't talked about this in a while. Have you thought any more about it? All right. So be prepared to be the one to need to initiate some of those conversations, especially in the, the days and the weeks following or as new experiences start to come to light about that. Be prepared to have multiple conversations about this child. 
Now, listen, Trish, it sounds to me like your son knows all of this, that, that you, these are kind of the basics that y'all have already experienced and that your son, it sounds like he's getting fixated on, on this tragedy. And so when a child starts to get fixated on something where that is all they can think about, that is all they're talking about, that's when we need to start utilizing some of our anxiety skills, coping mechanisms, where we have to add some structure to our fear thoughts, all right? So I encourage parents to set up a certain time during the day where they are willing to engage in a conversation about the tragedy, okay? It could be 30 minutes in the afternoon. Um, I would strongly encourage you not to try this right before bed for obvious reasons, but have a certain time during the day where you set aside one-on-one time with that child, and the whole point of that time is for the two of you to talk about what has happened and to worry together, all right? Worry together. And during that time, the, the child can draw pictures of helicopters, or they can pull out their Legos, and they can reenact different scenes that they want to, or what they imagine has happened And what we're trying to do is to help the child see it's okay to worry, but we're going to worry once and worry well, okay? So we're not going to let these worries infiltrate every hour, every minute of our lives, but during this 30-minute span that we have designated, we're going to sit with our child and we're going to talk with them and we're going to process what concerns that they have regarding this specific incident, all right? Now, after that time period is up, I would say no more than 20 or 30 minutes, all right? After that time period up, set a timer. When the timer beeps, it's really helpful for us to do something called a separation ritual, okay? And listen, I encourage people, after they've gone to counseling, I encourage my clients to do the same thing. Set up a separation ritual, all right? That is a a thing that we do to separate in our own minds, we have dealt with one thing and now we are on to the rest of life. All right. For those of you who have gone to counseling, you may know you can have a really deep, in-depth conversation and then you leave counseling and then you've got to go like back to laundry. Okay. Well, those two worlds are really, really different. So by setting up this separation ritual, we are sort of conveying to our own minds, okay, I've dealt with that. I'm going to come back to this at another time. But for now, I need to separate what I've dealt with with what I have going on in the rest of life. So, so Trish, I would encourage you to set up that time with your son and then do this separation ritual. It can look like a thousand different things. It can look like um, going on a walk. And then after that walk, you're done. It can look like having a Capri Sun. And after that Capri Sun, that's your separation ritual, all right? When I get home from seeing clients all day, after, after hearing some really hard, heavy things that, that people are walking through, my separation ritual is to change clothes, all right? I walk in the door, I can say hello to everybody, but the first thing I'm going to do is change out of my work clothes and into my mom yoga pants, all right? And that helps me separate in my mind one world compared to another world, okay? So really helping our kids see there's some structure that we're putting to it 
and that they don't have to think about this stuff all the time. Now, in a perfect world, our minds would be limited to just that worry time, all right? That's not reality. The reality is he's still going to worry outside of that designated time. But as parents, what we need to do is say, I'm, I'm not going to engage in a conversation about this until it's in our worry time, all right? So what we need to do is say, you know, son, I can tell that you're still dealing with this. I want you to go draw a picture or write it down and then have a designated place where they can put those worries. It can be in a shoebox or a drawer or under their bed, somewhere like that. And then during worry time, they're welcome to pull those things out and we can process them again, all right? But what we do know is anxiety feeds on anxiety. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Anxiety feeds on anxiety, okay? So as parents, the more our kid is saying, I'm really worried, Daddy, daddy's at work, I can't do this, da 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 the more we say, it's okay, you can do this, I'm going to talk about this, what are you worried about, there's nothing to fear, da 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 that's actually making their anxieties get worse and worse and worse because we're feeding that fuel, all right? And so what we need to do is say, you know, honey, I can tell you're struggling with this, and I want to talk about this, but we're going to wait until our worry time, and then we can talk about it. Meanwhile, go write it down and put it in your special drawer, all right? So what we're going to do is help them see that you don't have to think about worries all the time. Now, it can also be really helpful to provide some kind of transitional object for somebody, for a child who's going through some separation anxiety, because that's a lot of what this is, Trish, is separation anxiety from your husband, all right? So helping kids with some kind of object that helps them with that transition can be really good too. Like, for instance, I went on a mission trip to Ukraine this past summer, and I knew that my sons would have a, have a hard time because this was going to be the longest I had ever been gone, all right? Well, anybody knows me knows that I have long hair and my hair absolutely drives me crazy. So whenever I can possibly put it up in a ponytail, it's going to be in a ponytail. Meaning at any given time, I probably have four rubber bands on my wrist ready and ready to spring into action. Okay. So before I left on this mission trip, I decided to give each one of my sons one of my hair rubber bands. All right. And so while I was gone on that mission trip, I said, hey, I want you to have this. I want you to wear it. When you see it, I want you to remember I'm thinking of you. I'm here with you. Jesus loves you. Jesus is with you. And Jesus is with me too. And when I get back from my trip, I need this rubber band back. Okay? Because what that is is showing the child, hey, I have every intention of coming back to you. And so I need you to hold on to this and keep this safe. And then I'm going to take it back from you when we're reunited. Now, lastly, but most importantly, we as believers, we get to come back to our ultimate hope and our comfort, which is the truth of the gospel. All right. I love Psalm 46 for this in this instance. And it, and it says, 
God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Oh, y'all listen to this part. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Gosh, isn't that beautiful language that we don't have to fear because God is our refuge and our strength and he provides that present help in trouble. So our comfort is this. God has promised to give us grace to handle whatever situation he has called us to go through. All right. Now, when we start worrying and fearing the situations that are going on in the world today, we don't have the grace to handle that because that is not our reality. God has not called us to go through the death and kidnapping of one of our children because that's not our reality. So we don't have the grace to handle that. Now, if the Lord ever did call us to endure such a tragedy as that, he would also give us the grace to go along with that tragedy. But the reason that we fear is because we are trying to act out of ways that we don't have the grace to handle, all right? Now, we may have the grace to walk beside our friend whose husband has been diagnosed with cancer, but we don't have the grace to take on that instance because that's not ours. And so God has not called us to to go through something that he's not going to give us the grace to handle, all right? So we can trust that if God calls us to go through something horrific, he is also going to provide us with the grace and the means to handle that tragedy. That's such a comforting thing. I, I also love Paul, Paul in his work to the Philippians. He wrote, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I know that that's a long verse. I know that's a verse that we hear often and and is said over and over again. But I think one of the parts that strikes me the most in that is that he will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, all right? And I think so many times we let our imaginations run away from us and we insert ourselves into a reality that is not our own. And what we are called to do is to let the Lord guard our hearts and our minds We are called to take those thoughts captive, to control the thoughts that we have, knowing that Christ has given us the gift of peace. That is what we are called to, all right? So I would encourage you, Trish, to also help your child have some kind of truth statement that they can walk out with. That is um, one of those things, just like the verses that we are saying, be anxious for nothing, be anxious for nothing. Have something very short and simple. God is my refuge and strength. Something that they can help say to themselves over and over again, that is a piece of truth that he can come back to when he's fearful. All right. I'm going to close with this because I absolutely love um, C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's by far one of my favorite verses. And when I think through all of this, 
it reminds me so much of Aslan. And I don't know about y'all, but I just have this image of that's what heaven is going to be like. I can't wait to wrap my arms around that lion, that lion being our Lord and Savior, and, and just seeing and feeling his strength and his comfort and his power and his might. Y'all, there's so much comfort in that with me through all of the tragedies that we go through. But there's a quote from C.S. Lewis that I love, and it says this. It says, Wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we will have spring again. Y'all, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know the tragedy that is in your life right now. But I do know this. We worship a God that will bring spring again. You may be in winter right now. There may be a lot of darkness in your community. But there will be spring again. And that is the hope that we get to impart on our children Y'all, thank you so much for joining me today. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us. We love to hear from you. Um, We've loved to get some feedback on some of the other podcasts and episodes. It helps us to know where to go. So give us some feedback. Let us know what we could do better or what you liked. We really would love to hear from you. Our email address is askalice at rootedministry.com. Y'all have a great day. Thanks for listening to The Rooted Podcast, where we hope to communicate the truths of the gospel and apply those truths to youth ministry. We would love for you to check out our website, where we publish articles daily, geared towards both youth ministers and parents. You will also find resources and more information about our conferences, regional events, and more at www.rootedministry.com. This podcast is made available to you by the Rooted Ministry for educational purposes only, not to provide specific therapeutic advice. The views expressed are the personal perspectives of the author and do not represent the views of all counselors or the profession. This podcast does not create a counselor-client relationship and should not be used as a substitute for competent therapeutic counsel from a licensed professional in your state.